Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today we're starting a new series, and we actually began with the scriptures. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to John 14. We're going to be focusing on what I think is one of the, great, one of the greatest things that Jesus said. But before we do that, it's, this is a tee-up for the whole series. And the, what we're calling this series, though some think it's Jaws, is it Jaws 5? How many Jaws movies are there? Some say it's Jaws 5. We're calling it below the surface because what we're wanting to do, we're wanting to take the summer to dig a little bit deeper. Because there's things that we know about, things we hear about, things you may have heard me even kind of pray about. But we want to take some time to really focus in to a lot of these things that sometimes we'll just kind of nod and go, yes, I believe it. Yes, I've heard about it. Yes, I may have even read about it a while back. And to really spend some intentional time. And so what we're going to be doing is starting today for the next three weeks, we're going to start off by focusing on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit for three weeks, we're going to be diving in, digging in. Then we're going to talk about salvation and just what salvation means because a lot of people have misconceptions, especially when I, uh, when I talk to people at Fred Meyer or REI or coffee houses. Those are my three places I go to. Um, there seems to be a little bit confused about salvation. We're going to spend two weeks talking about divine healing. The Lord is our healer. So what does that mean? What, what does that mean? And then we're going to talk about the second coming of Jesus. We talk about that every year at Christmas, but I want to take some time just to really dive into it. And what does that mean, that hope that we have? But today, as we begin this series, we're going to look at this huge statement. And we read part of it, but I want to read this section. And it's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 12 through 26. Let's follow along together. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything, say anything, anything in my name, very important part, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Then Jesus said it again, yes, ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Verse 15 says, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. You know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live you also will live. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. 
I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Told you. So, Lord, speak. Your servants, we are all listening here today. Soften our heart. Lord, remove any weeds. Remove anything that would distract us. Remove anything. Lord, we need your word. We need your truth. We need your power. So, Lord, speak. Open our ears. Lord, anoint my words today that it would be your truth coming through. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Holy Spirit, flow through me today because we want to walk forward in your name. And everyone said together, amen, amen. So this all begins with the promise, the promise. And it's a promise that Jesus made. It's a huge promise to his disciples. And disciples are everyone that has surrendered and given their life to Christ. They're following Jesus. They're being discipled by Jesus. He gives this, this huge promise that is, you will do greater things. Now think about, how powerful is that? I mean, because when you think about Jesus, I mean, Jesus did amazing things. He was a child prodigy, right? He was teaching in the temple as a child. Uh, he did all these amazing miracles. Uh, he, he had discernment. He was able to speak directly to people with things that he knew that they're like, how did you know that? How did you know that was going on? Jesus cast out demons. He spoke with authority. He walked on water. All of these and now Jesus is looking at his disciples. It's all of you that have surrendered your life to Christ. And he's saying, you're going to do greater things. You're going to do greater things. I think a lot of times when we think greater things, you know, we tend to think about like, like all these commercials, right? Greater means bigger, better, greater than before. You're going to cast out bigger demons. You're going to walk on bigger water. You're going to, it's going to be better because we're, we get commercials for anything. And if anything you look at on Amazon now shows up on the side of your Facebook, does that tick you off sometimes, you know? Mine's filled with kayaking and water filters right now. So what does Jesus mean when he says greater things? What, 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 what does this mean? Well, in order to properly understand this, like everything in the Bible, we need to look at the context. We need to look at the time it was written, who it was written to, and what it means in order to understand it. Please don't be those kind of people that they, they just kind of cherry pick things, right? You really shouldn't do that with anybody. Don't do it with the Word of God, but don't do it even with what people say because that's how misunderstandings start. We need to look at it in its totality. So we need to look in this and go, Jesus, what are you talking about? Well, first of all, this was a promise that it was given to his disciples. Jesus, he's speaking to his disciples, and he was preparing them for ministry that they were about to do. And this is a huge discipleship moment. We're all about discipleship. And the discipleship moment is, is this, that Jesus, he's moving his disciples from just watching, from hiding behind him and going, saying, you go get them, Jesus. He's trying to move them from being spectators to going out in front and doing and engaging and being a part of what Jesus was doing. That's our job. That's our role. That's our calling. And it's very easy to watch, right? I mean, and why wouldn't it be? He's walking on water. He's doing all these amazing things, raising people from the dead. It'd be very easy to step back and go, great job. That's awesome. And he's saying, no, you don't get it. You're going to do greater things. You're going to do greater things. It's time for you to step up. Because, see, this is essential. Discipleship, it's not about being a spectator on the sidelines. That's a fan, right? I'm a big hockey fan with a Kraken. But guess who they're not going to pick to play this year? And if you want them to win, guess who they should not pick? I'm just a fan. I'm a great fan. I'll watch. I'll cheer. If my kids give me another great 
birthday gift like last year, I'll get to go see a game again. But that's it. I'm not on the ice. I'm not the one taking the hits. I'm not the one scoring the goals. And Jesus is saying, no, you need to move from being the spectator. You need to, he didn't say get on the ice, but that's what I would say. You need to get out there. You need to be engaged in what's going on. See, Jesus, he's pointing to our calling, and as it relates to the greater things, this is a continuation of the work of Jesus. That's the word that Jesus uses. He uses the word works, and this word works that he uses, when you break it down and when you study it, it has two meanings in it, and it means both signs, which means miracles, all the things that he was doing, those things, you're like, wow, those are amazing, but it also means the works, the ministry, the continuing work that he was doing. As it relates to signs and to miracles, those are important, and he even says in his word that, that people see those, and it points to the authenticity, to the accuracy that he is who he said he was. He's the son of God. He is the living son of God. He has all power, all authority, and we often look to his signs and to his miracles, and even those who don't believe, they point to that and say, yes, he is who he said he was. In John 14, he said, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works, the miracles that he's doing himself. But Jesus was also very careful to point out that signs and wonders, they don't always settle it for people. I think many of us, we know people, I know people who've been healed who are not following the Lord. I know people that had huge miracles showed up. I know people that have walked through the doors, they've laid down, God did a huge miracle in their life, and when the fuzz of that wore off, or when it wasn't just a constant vending machine that they went to, they left the Lord. They may believe, Satan believes that God is real, the Bible says that even Satan believes and the demons believe, and they tremble in fear, but they're not serving the Lord. That alone doesn't do it. What Jesus is talking about, though there will be miracles and though the Lord at times may use you in that way, the word works, it also refers to the work of ministry that Jesus had started. And the work of ministry that Jesus was doing was discipleship. Now, don't mishear me. Miracles, yes, I've been healed. I've prayed for people who have been healed. And I know many people who have, the Lord has used them powerfully in that way. But what we're talking about is discipleship. See, Jesus was focusing on the greater work of rescuing those who are separated from God. Our big problem is that we are separated from our creator. We're separated from the one who loves us, the one who knows how we to operate, the, the one who has written the manual on how we find that life to the full. And yes, this will include miracles and signs and wonders, but the greater miracle is saving our soul. We're, we have a body, but our soul lives forever. The soul lives forever and there's some days, there may have been times in your life where you're like, yeah, I, you know, I love the body I'm in. It's working. It's going great. And then when your body breaks down, you're like, yeah, I'm done. That's okay. My back's not the, the way it used to be when I was in my 20s. I do things now that I'm taking a lot of Advil to get through sometimes. <laughs> Confessional. That's why Jesus said, he said, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Jesus said, fear only God who can destroy both body and soul in hell. See, focusing on our body, yes, take care of it. We're stewards of everything around us. But when that's our entire focus, it's short-sighted and it misses the work that God would do in our lives, in the world. So how is this possible? How do we do the greater works that he's talking about? It's not something that we can do on our own. But one of the things that we see throughout Scripture is that there is power in the position. And I'm not talking about a hierarchy. I'm talking about being positioned aligned with God. 
See, how we position ourselves matters. Again, not hierarchical, but how we align ourselves. That's why it says in Proverbs 13, the wisdom book, whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. It means be destroyed. In the first Corinthians, it says bad company corrupts good character. How many of you had your mom or your dad say, be careful who you hang around with, right? They can be your friends over there, but after school, I don't feel comfortable with you hanging out with little Johnny, okay? I mean, this is the reality of if you jump in the water, you're going to get wet. If you don't, let me know, right? If you get too close to the flame, you'll be burned. And these are often overlooked. They're very obvious to us. We know these can be true, but we are experts at justifying what we want to do, aren't we? I had someone, I heard someone say that while I was at the wedding. Somebody was, was trying to kind of make something look, look, look kind of good. And it was very lighthearted, but then someone said, yeah, we're really good at justifying what we really want to do. Because the reality is, what we want to do, oftentimes, we end up doing. There are things that can get out there, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to kind of help come in and help us in those areas. But there are so many things that we do, that, and, and we justify it, thinking it's okay. That's why as it relates to this promise that Jesus made, you will do even greater things. Jesus, he lays out this condition, and the condition was very clear. It says, ask in my name. Anything you ask, in my name. Did you catch that as we were reading it through? It's, a, it's called a conditional promises. There are promises that God makes that no matter what we do, they will go through. But then there are these conditional promises. They, these are the if-thens. And here Jesus says it, and he says it twice so that the disciples don't miss it. He says, ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. He said, yes, ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. See, Jesus, he's teaching his disciples that the power is found in surrendering our lives to Christ and then aligning our life with him. The power is found in Jesus. There's no power in me. The power is found as I align myself to Jesus. And as his disciples, we are called to represent Christ. We're his hands, we're his feet. We are his representatives that Jesus is sending out to the world to do the greater things. And we're only effective when we are representing Jesus. Our effectiveness comes in as we do his will, as we speak his word, as we respond his, to his plan. That's why every Sunday morning I come in and say, God, let it be your words. Let it be your power. Let it be your truth. Because if it's not yours, it's all for nothing. It's all going to be gone. As I walk in the city, God, let me be about your will today. Let me be about your plan. Let me be speaking and bringing truth, your life, your life-giving truth to those around us. And it's very easy to say, well, yeah, everything we do is that. But oftentimes it's not. Because it's misused or it can be twisted or it's not there. I'm saying, God, lead me today. What is the word that you would have us say? What is the word you would have me say? And as it relates to this, that's why Jesus, again, he underlined that our alignment is dependent on our obedience. Our alignment is based on, is dependent on our obedience. Look what Jesus says. See, obedience to Jesus, it depends us coming into alignment and this alignment results in the empowerment, right? Any car that's out of alignment is messed up. You don't want to ride in it. Your coffee is going to get spilled all over you. When it's in alignment, it's walking the way it should. See, Jesus, he knows that we need power, but the power is found in positioning our life under the authority of Jesus. That's why we see this throughout the New Testament, that obedience, it transforms us into the image of Christ. Obedience to Jesus 
transforms us. And I know a lot of this may be yeah, bread and butter. I've heard it before. But how many of you have found that obeying at times can be difficult? Right? Obedience is tough. That's why First Samuel says this. It says to obey is better than a sacrifice. Stop bringing me gifts. Obey. Obey. And then Jesus said the greatest commandment is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind. It's that surrender of everything to us. Even that term Christian. The term Christian means to be Christ-like. And when it was first given, it wasn't something that people applied to themselves, right? It wasn't something where all the Christians raise a hand and all the Christians wear a nice Christian t-shirt, though I love Christian t-shirts. It was a name that was given to people who knew what Christ looked like, and they looked over there and said, she is walking like Jesus. She's doing things that Jesus did. She is a Christian. It was a, it was a term that was given by other people who knew Jesus, and they saw you, and they said, that looks like Jesus because it is totally different from what we see in the world around us. Can you imagine someone looking at your life who knew the teachings of Jesus, what Jesus did, and they look and they say, man, he looks, he's acting like I heard Jesus acts like. Can you imagine? And there are people who know. And they're watching. See, Jesus, he's pointing to his disciples. He's pointing them to the power of a life that is walking in obedience to him. And I think that's why Satan often attacks us at our level of obedience. He gives us all the justification that we want, that we need. See, Satan wants to lead us to believe that obedience is about rules and restrictions. Have you heard that before? Oh, it's all about the rules. It's all about restrictions. And I know things can get out of whack over here. And there's, 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 there's pockets of legalism that many of us may have been raised in or seen or experienced or heard about or read about or seen on a movie. That's not what we're talking about. See, when Jesus talked about obedience, he talked about it being the result of a deep love for God of a life that is surrendered to God, of a life that is aligned with so much with God that it walks in the power and the authority that accompanies a life that is surrendered to him. This is what obedience is. It's not obeying out of fear. It's obeying of God, I love you. I believe in you. I know that you're my God. I want to be as close to you as I can. I, I want to do the things that please your heart. I want to do the things that put a smile on your face, not from a place of dysfunction that in a world is so dysfunctional, we pull it over so many times. We're saying, God, I just want to please you. I don't want to ask the question, well, can I do this and still get into heaven? Can I do this and still get away with it? Can I do this and kind of get close to the fringe? How many of you have a lot of friends like that, <laughs> Right? We all have that. You borrow something to him. You say, now, before you go, I want you to take care of it. Yeah, I am. Here's what I mean by take care of it. <laughs> because you know there are people that will try to get as close to the fringe as possible. Or maybe you're one of those. You get as close to the fringe as possible, and you're like, yeah, everybody's like me. They do these things. I know what that looks like. God is calling us to a life that is so full of his power that, like, God, I don't want to do anything that would grieve you, anything that would just... Get me out of line because I want to be filled with your power. I want to be filled with your purpose. I want to stand before you one day and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant, because I love you and I'm filled with the power of Christ. See, when we align ourselves walking obediently to his word, you experience walking in that power and that authority that you know is not about you. And when you experience that, when you taste it, you see that the Lord is good. 
why would you want anything else? Why would I want anything else? But here's, but again, the, the challenge is that song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You ever feel prone to wander? <laughs> See, our sin nature is always fighting against us, and we're in a culture that is not, that's going to encourage us to walk away from the things of God. So how do we position our lives in a way where we walk in this power, where we walk in this authority? Well, it's everything we're going to be talking about for the next three weeks is the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the power of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit positions us. It brings us into alignment with God. It pulls everything in that it leads us. And we say this often here at Shoreline Community Church where if it's condemnation, that's Satan trying to make you feel guilty. If it's conviction... That's the Holy Spirit trying to bring you back into alignment. Because we need conviction because we mess up. We, we want to walk over here. We want to do that. It's almost like there's a coach that follows you along and is correcting your technique and saying, eat this, but don't eat that. Because we have a goal of you being a top-performing athlete. The Holy Spirit comes in and says, you've surrendered your life to Christ. It is no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. And he brings you into alignment, into the power, into the authority. Because when we walk in that, we're hearing God. We're walking in God. We're walking in that. And the Holy Spirit aligns us because we need to be walking in his way, in his name, now the things that I ask for are not selfish things, but saying, God, I need this so I can do what you've called me to do. I need this because I need to go out and accomplish. I want to serve my family. I want to love my wife. I want to love my city. And our requests are now all based on that. That's the difference. And there's nothing like it. When you've tasted it, there's nothing like it. We need the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, he's telling his disciples, you can't do this on your own. Because this is not about trying harder. And those of you who have struggled with things, and we've all struggled with things, we've, we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, right? We're all, we're all part of that crowd. We, we're all sinners that we have an opportunity to be saved by grace. And we know that it's not about just trying harder and muscling down and just sitting in a corner and saying, I will not eat a bag of chips. I will not eat a bag of chips today, right? It's not about that. It's about surrendering and being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, being aligned. Look what it says in John 14. He says, I will ask the Father, and Jesus said, he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth, that leading, that active work. But when the Father sends the advocate, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. Think about it. He will teach you everything. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything. Now, we're used to people over-promising and under-deliver, but when God says something, it's done. How many want to be taught everything? I do. <laughs> he will teach you everything and will remind you. And as a habitual forgetter, I need reminding. So I'm like, yes, teach me everything and please remind me. He will remind you of everything I have told you. I tell my team, never feel bad about reminding me. <laughs> That's why I have a team. Teach me everything and remind me. See, we don't have the power to do it on our own. And I think a lot of times we, we, we experience failure and we experience all these things because we try to do it on our own. We hear a word from God and we say, God, I got it. And then we go over here and we try to do it on our own. And we say, this is hard. And God's saying, why did you go over there? Stay with me. Be aligned with me. Be full of the power. I'll show you the timing. I'll teach you everything. I'll show you. And it was a process. It was a process of you being taught and being brought along. And, and there's conditioning. I'm doing a half marathon in September. 
My first run was not 13.1 miles. My first run was one mile by the grace of God. And then you go to two. And then you get some energy goo and you go to three. Right? I mean, there's a process to this. We know this. You, you do, if your first run, you're like, I'm going to do 13.1 no matter what, you're probably going to get hurt. And you're going to say, I'll do the marathon next year because i got more training to do. Because we trust his process. We need the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus is offering this gift. I'll teach you everything, and I'll remind you when you forget, and I'll empower you, and I'll show you along the way as you trust me. It's this gift he's giving. This is monumental. This is, this is beyond. I mean, when you think about what it is, this is amazing. Teach you everything, give you everything you need, and you'll walk in the power of authority, and you'll do greater things. See, this is monumental. And when you think about the disciples, I mean, they knew history. I mean, the Jewish nation, they knew their history. They knew the prophets. They knew all of this stuff. And previously, throughout the, whole, throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was something. It was, a, it, was a, it was a rare gift that was often temporary given to certain people for a specific purpose for a brief time. And the disciples, again, because they knew their history, they knew this. They knew that the Holy Spirit participated in creation. They knew the Holy Spirit came upon certain judges, warriors, and prophets in a way that gave them extraordinary power, like Joshua, like Gideon, like Samson, and like Saul. They knew that David declared that the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. And they knew that Ezekiel reported that the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me. And now Jesus is saying, you will have the Holy Spirit everywhere. He will never leave you. I will give you this advocate that will be with you. This is amazing. Because they thought it was something just for special people, just for the prophets, just for warriors, just for kings. And he's saying, no, now everybody. Can you tell I'm getting a little excited? (laughs) You read all those great things in the Old Testament. Holy Spirit, this is for you. And I think it's amazing that Jesus has this word, and it's the first word that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit, and it's this word advocate. Advocate. What a great word. See, as disciples of Jesus, who needs an advocate? (laughs) I do. I need to be taught everything, and I forget things, and I need someone to remind me. I need all these things. See, as disciples of Jesus, we need this advocate because on our own, we will not make it. That's when the pressure comes in, right? Is that, man, this feels so heavy. So many times I feel the Holy Spirit reminding me when it feels heavy and I feel like, God, I can't do this on my own. I feel, I feel like I'm failing. I feel like it's not here. I feel like all these things are happening. And the Holy Spirit's saying, stop thinking about yourself <laughs> because it's, if, if it's all about you, it's going to fail. He's saying, no, lift your eyes. I lift my eyes to Jesus. That's where my help comes from. And previous to the scripture, Jesus tells Peter something about himself that's pretty hard for Peter to hear, right? See, Peter, he loves Jesus. And Jesus, he's talking about going. He's saying, Jesus, I want to go where you are. I'll, I'll lay my life down for you, Jesus. And he starts saying all these wonderful things to Jesus, you know. And many of us, we'd be flattered by this, right? And we encourage this to say thank you, or even write a song about it. But because Jesus' goal was greater than this, because he's wanting to prepare Peter for this work, for the calling to do the greater things, because he saw Peter in the future, not just Peter now, but he saw the plan that he had for him. And when Jesus says, I'm going to lay down my life to you, Jesus looks at Peter and says, you know what, here's the deal. You're going to deny me three times, Peter. 
you're going to deny me three times because Jesus responds, will you lay down your life for me? I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Amazing. I mean, think about it. You go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'll die for you. I'll lay down my life for you. I'll do everything. And you say all these great words. You start quoting 80s lyrics left and right to Jesus. And he says, here's the deal. You're going to deny me three times. He's saying, if you want to do greater things, Peter, you need an advocate. Again, when you know the story of Peter, I love the story of Peter. <laughs> you know? On Pentecost, Peter stands up, delivers an amazing, amazing message. Over 3,000 people are saved. <laughs> In this moment, the discipleship moment, Peter's saying, I'll die for you. He's going, you're going to deny me three times. What is he saying? He's saying, Peter, you're going to do greater things, but you need an, buddy, you need an advocate. <laughs> Dwayne, you're going to do greater things, but you need an advocate. <laughs> you need empowerment. And our advocate is the Holy Spirit. And again, I love that word. See, this is a legal term, right? Advocate. It's a legal term where the Holy Spirit advocates for us, advocates for us. Now think about what does an advocate do? Well, an advocate reminds us of truth as it brings back to the truth, right? The truth sets us free. Our advocate, it teaches us when we don't understand. We heard earlier, teach you everything. You don't understand it, Holy Spirit, speak to me, show me, bring me discernment here. Our advocate, the Holy Spirit, tells us what to say when we don't know how to respond. The Holy Spirit knows everything. You don't know what to say or how to say it? Holy Spirit, be an advocate for me here. The Holy Spirit protects us when we're being attacked. Our advocate comforts us when we feel defeated. Our advocate, it brings hope when we can't see a way through. And our advocate stands in front when we're being attacked. Do you feel like you're being attacked and it's just, it's overwhelming? Holy Spirit, protect me. Stands in front of us. Who can defeat the Holy Spirit? No one. When we stand there and say, I got it, I got it, I got it. God's saying, it's not yours to have. Seek the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the advocate stand in front of you. You can't withstand this. I didn't, I didn't tell you to withstand this. I told you to seek first the kingdom of God. I told you to seek the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to wait, to be filled with the gift, be filled with the empowerment. And the, uh, your advocate will take care of that. You just need to say yes. And say, Holy Spirit, fill me, protect me, guide me. It doesn't mean you're not going to be hurt. It means the Holy Spirit is there guiding and protecting you along the way. We're going to be talking more about that in the next two weeks. But we need the Holy Spirit. We need the advocate because one of the chief tactics of Satan is to confuse you. And if we were ever in confusing times... It is now. I know throughout all of history, there's cycles, right? It's a cycle. It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. But in my lifetime, this is the most confusing time that I've ever seen. If there was ever a time when everyone did what was right in their own eyes and they exchanged truth for a lies, as it says in the Bible, we're, we are living in it. We're living in it. See, those who truly live for Christ and those who 
obey and they're saying, yes, Lord, I give my life to you, align my life with you, you're going against the flow. <laughs> and when you go against the flow, that can be a very lonely time. You ever been lonely? You ever take a stand for Christ and you feel all alone? It can be very lonely times. That's why when we talked about earlier the importance of youth camp, the importance of kids camp, the importance of gathering weekly, online, in person, the importance of prayer. Because you need to be reminded you're not alone or you can very easily fall into the Elijah, the Elijah syndrome of nobody loves God but me. And he's like, Elijah, there's, there's, there's hundreds. <laughs> but I get what you're feeling. We need to be together. See, this is the power of an advocate. We need this. We need this. When we're walking in obedience to God, surrendered, we're offered this gift of the advocate. And this was real for the disciples because the disciples were, Jesus was preparing them for his departure. And they were a little scared. He starts throwing these things out, putting them out there. Soon I will not be with you. But there's an advocate coming like, what, what, what are you talking about, Jesus. He's getting them ready for that. That's why he's getting them out of that mindset of go get them, Jesus. He's like, no, no, you, you go in the power of Jesus Christ. You go fill the Holy Spirit. You go with the word of God in you. This was the call. Jesus positioning them to empower them with the advocate that he said will never, ever leave you. I'm going to teach you everything. I'm going to remind you everything. And will never, ever leave you. See, this is the power of the Holy Spirit as the worship team comes. The power of the Holy Spirit that we often will focus on one aspect and not the rest. We'll, we'll confuse it with so many things. Jesus is saying, you need an advocate that is there. My prayer is that for us as Sherlock Community Church, that we would be the, a body of Christ. Walking in obedience to God, the saying, God... Search me, cleanse me. Put, put that coal to my mouth, that, that cleansing, that purification that the prophets talked about. Because I don't want anything to stand in the way. My family needs you, God. Is there anything in my life that is getting in the way of the Holy Spirit flowing through my life to my family? Does your family need the power of Jesus? God, is there anything in my life that I need to get rid of because it's getting in the way of me reaching to my coworkers. Do your coworkers need Jesus? Sometimes we'll say, where's the power? And the Holy Spirit's saying, where's the obedience? <laughs> Are you aligning yourself? I'm speaking, but all this stuff is in the way. I need to decrease so that he can increase. I need to let go of things. I need to be in a place where I respond. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And as the prayer team comes and stands here, we have an opportunity to respond. We have an opportunity to obey the voice of the Spirit, even now speaking to you. And as we respond today, here's a few prompts for you. You know, this week we focus a lot on alignment. We focus a lot on obedience. Ask the Holy Spirit teaches you everything, reminds you of truth. Ask this question, is there anything that's causing me to be out of alignment? Where am I out of alignment? And we all need realignment. 
just like our cars. You drive them, you get out of alignment, you get to be brought back. And a lot of time the alignment issue can come down to where am I struggling to obey? Right? There's things like I have no problem obeying this. But over here, this is a little tough. Where do I need the Holy Spirit in my life? You know, as we head into this season, let me encourage you, respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need a physical reminder. That's why we have communion available every week. Is you just peel that first layer and it's got that cracker that reminds you, Jesus died, he gave his body for you. And then you peel that next one and it has that juice that represents his blood, that reminder, and then that confession. Confession's a part of communion where we say, God, forgive me of these areas. <laughs> forgive me of the areas I'm out of alignment. Forgive me of this. The confession of sin is, is not just about just wanting to, to be... Like some people think about like a get out of jail card, right? No, you say, no, there's a confessional healing. Lord, forgive me of this, but now lead me so that I don't keep going back to it. That metanoia, that dismantling of everything so I come in alignment with you. Lord, help me with this. Because we all have things that we ask forgiveness for every day, every week, every month, whatever it may be. God, help me to walk in this. Now, Holy Spirit, is a boldness is that I heard you speak to me to go speak to that person I didn't do it because I didn't want to be made a fool of or I didn't want to be looked over for a promotion or I didn't want to lose friendship or I didn't want to look like a fool or I didn't want to admit I was wrong. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Let's take some time this morning. Come forward for prayer. Come forward for communion. Turn to the person next to you and say, you know what, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about this. Would you pray with me? Would you pray for me? Would you pray over me? Let's spend some time responding to the word of the Lord. Amen. The beauty of Jesus is that when we bring it to him, it's not like going before anybody else. When we confess and we bring it to him and say, Jesus, forgive me. He's like, I gave my life for you. I've been waiting for this moment. When you would come and give it, we just give it and we bring it to the Lord. And then he forgives us. The Bible tells us that as far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our sin from us. That's the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. So Lord, thank you for that work. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, help us to walk in that alignment, that obedience. We don't want our tires shaking off the vehicle. We want, to, we want to run with you. We want to drive in the way that you've called us to drive, to live for you. And Lord, fill us. Holy Spirit, fill us. Empower us. Enable us. Equip us. Our advocate. I need an advocate. So Holy Spirit, Remind me of the things I forget. Teach me the things I need to know. Show me how to walk. Show me where I need boldness. And Holy Spirit, show me where I, I need restraint. <laughs> I want to walk in your will, your timing. That love, joy, hope, peace, patience, self-control. Let the fruit be alive in me, I pray. I pray. And everyone said together. Amen, amen. The next two weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how we're filled with the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit teaches us to pray. Amazing times. We have everything online. The online service is different than the in-person service. So we have, we record the message from this and we put it on our podcast. It's on our website. It's on Spotify. Uh, it's on all those places out there. So if you want to catch that, make sure you catch Pastor Tiffany's sermon from last week. If you missed it, that's on our podcast. That's online as well. And uh, 
Walk in the Spirit. Live for Jesus. Amen? Amen. I love you all so very much. Thank you for being here today. Be sure to engage. Let's say this now. This is our benediction. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now by the power of the Holy Spirit, go and live for Jesus.